You have entered the Fandom Effect, a podcast filled with anime, video games, comics, MMA, and unlimited ideas. Each week, a new guest will press enter and discuss how they're making their dreams come true with your host, Mark the Bushido Geek, Halberg. It's time to enter the Fandom Effect. Now, please insert 25 cents to continue. You have one playthrough. Better make it count. All right. What's going on, everyone? Another Friday means it's another edition of the Fam Effect Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Abishido Geek, joined by co-payment here, as always. No it way. Worked. It no worked. way. It no worked. way. It 100% works. You can do the lettering, but you, you'll you see that it works. Because every time you do this, in, in five God seconds later, I told you. This is what happens every time. I say the word, you look at your name and go, Shit. And it always works. Never doubt WordMaker, all right? This thing has not let me down in like six months. It's so great. Uh, I love it. Uh, but yeah, but we're not alone, are we, Sam? We got a lot. We got we got a big crowd today. No, we got a f- <clears throat> full house. Jesus full house. Christ. Yeah, what the hell? Die on your own time. I'm so sorry. Or at least like mute or turn off the camera or something. I if it's not recorded, I don't have- yeah. If it's not re- yeah, if it's not recorded, I don't have to be held legally responsible. And so I can be like, I didn't know. Her camera went off and I just I don't know, things happen. She died off screen. She's like, yeah, do we want, what do you want? Like and I'll quickly like cut it out. Like it'll cut from like you coughing to like your camera just like tilted, showing like your hand on the ground. I'll just be like, I I don't know what happened. It just cut out. Anything. And then it's then that's what we had. I don't I don't know. No, no. Uh we're gonna we're gonna we're going D and D, but uh we're going D and D because there's a, a lot of controversy right now. Uh, with Wizards of the Coast. So we brought on a lot of people who've been playing D&D. We've both played for a very long time. So yeah. we have our own thoughts. Uh, but we got three people from the podcast Way to DM Minute, uh, which I also have a soft spot for for different reasons. But we got uh, Matt, Cameron, and Anthony all from the Way to DM Minute podcast. Appreciate all you guys coming on. Hey, not a problem. Glad to be here. Okay, fine, Matt. I don't want you here either. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, <laughs> uh, just, Thank you for letting us come. And we got on a, a good friend of mine, Brian, who collectively has played D&D for longer than, than any of us. I've been alive. You've, you've, got, those, you've got those first edition books. <clears throat> yep. Like, good, like, like, in, like, in decent condition. Uh I got the white box set with uh, Blackmore in it from the original basic before even basic was a thing. Wow. So, yeah. We can talk, we can talk price after the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Off the air. We'll do some quick transactions, <laughs> but with, uh, with, with all the country, especially the, they did just release like their OGL 1.2, which is like, I guess their attempt at, uh, controlling the backlash uh, ever since the OGL announcement came out. If you don't know what I'm talking about and you've played D&D or you've been interested in D&D and you have zero clue what I'm, I'm referencing at all, uh, to do a short recap, because what will be a very long discussion, 
Wizards of the Coast essentially came out with a uh, OGL agreement, which is an update to the original gaming license agreement, uh, essentially trying to take every control of the product possible and asking for uh, creators to give like money based on if they're making money off the product, they can dictate what you can do with the product when, you know, essentially they can cut you off from it. You know, if they don't like what you're doing, um, even if it's like your social media, if you're doing D and D sponsored content and you tweet something they don't agree with, they can literally take away your ability to do anything with your social media because you're in their eyes, you're affecting their brand. Uh, and then there's a lot of stuff with their, uh, their virtual tabletop, their VTTs, uh, and them trying to crazy push this into microtransaction, the hell out of it. Um, so there's a bunch of stuff going that even the stuff that came out with the 1.2, they were, they, um, the big stuff with 1.2 is that they tried creating like an online thing on their website, but it's, again, it's, it's their website. They control what you can say, the characters you can use. So it's still a shady way of asking for input from people, uh, because there's been so much backlash, but we'll dive right into it. Um, whoever, if anyone wants to jump out immediately, uh, feel free. Um, can uh, I correct? Can I slightly correct something you said? Oh yeah, right, yeah. So I, I think one of the important aspects of this is that I mean, you mentioned that they could like revoke your social media accounts if you want, and that's not really true, right? So if Wizards of the Coast or Hasbro or whoever it, at the top of the ladder is calling up Facebook and says this guy keeps posting memes, get him out of here. Facebook's going to be like, go fuck yourself. You know, um, Wizards of the Coast can only control platforms that they have leverage over. And so really what the OGL does is it gives them the ability to twist the arm of someone who's a distributor for their content as a way that they make money. But anybody like Instagram or somebody that their primary business model does not come from being involved with Wizards, Wizards can't really control those people. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Uh, but Matt, since you didn't jump, might as well we'll jump to you. What was kind of the uh, your initial reaction when? Because it was leaked. The original agreement was leaked. It wasn't something that they publicly made available. One point two was they they did release that publicly, but the original agreement was something that somebody leaked. Uh, yeah. So what they what they did is they got a lot of, of the big third party content creators, um, of which I am not one, but I'm hoping to be. Um, and they had sort of private meetings with all of them. And they said, hey, here's the new OGL. It's going to be a let's call it a 25 percent royalty system. I don't know what the exact number was. It's been reported differently. But if we can get you guys on board right now, we'll get you locked in at 20 percent. So they tried to, I guess, kind of blackmail them if you wanted to do that. And yeah. all these third party guys were like, yeah, I don't think so. This is ridiculous. And the, the part that they objected to the most, and I think this is the issue that they had is they overreached is they were saying that anything that is created with the new open game license, technically that became their intellectual property that wizards could then later publish in something that they created and not give the original creator any sort of money or credit themselves. And I, I don't think that they really intended to ever actually do that, but the simply the fact that it was listed in there, I think told people they were kind of being disrespected and that's what kicked off this huge backlash that you've seen. Yeah. And it, it, I can't remember if it, I was I was watching like a, a video for the DM layer. And he was talking about how if someone if people had signed the original agreement, it was retroactive in terms of what you've created up till that point. 
I mean, that's so hard. So the, the way the open game license operates is as soon as you put it on the your own thing. So I, I publish a game at the end of it in order for me to run this through drive through RPG or whatever. I have to put the open game license at the bottom. That effectively means I consent to everything that's listed in here. So as soon as you say in something that you publish, hey, forget the old games that I made, forget the other old open game license. Now I'm only adhering to this one. You have legally agreed to that new um, agreement. If you just don't say that, though, like wizards can't come and pry stuff that I right. made a year ago from my cold dead hands. I have to give them permission. So right. it's, it's so tough. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and Brian. So you you you're coming from like you said before we start recording. You know, four decades of uh, of playing D and D. You know, from literally first edition to you know everything that's come out today. What was kind of like? What's been your kind of reaction to how not only the like this coming out, but how Wizards of the Coast has even like responded to people? Well, an analogy I think I would come up with is they had this big armored fist. You know, which was the uh, new 1.1 they're going to use, and the fandom just decided, you know what, we don't like that. So they grabbed their hand and just started hitting Wizards of the Coast. Said, "Stop hitting yourself! Stop hitting yourself!" And that's what they've been doing. Every time they posted something new like this, like, "Oh, we both won," they hit themselves again. Nobody, the fandom just did not respond well to that, and nobody trusts them at this point. You know, I've watched many uh, podcasts and, and videos on this subject too, and. I don't know what Wizards Coast is going to do. I think what they're trying to do, and they're heavily invested in it at this point, they've got to push forward with it, and I think they're going to fail. And um, the guy in charge, Chris Cowell, he is he's going to take the brunt of it. Even though they tried to put uh, Kyle Brink, I believe his name is, they tried to put him as the face, the guy that comes on that says stuff now. And I really appreciate all of the fandom, all the people who played D&D over the years, new and old, they've really rallied around like Piazzo and, and Cobalt Press and all these other ones that that are the third-party creators and saying, this is what it's all about. You know, they would not be where they are and D&D wouldn't be where it is without all these third-party content creators. I mean, it helped grow the whole brand. And now they just want to kind of push them out with this new 1.1 and 1.2, which is just a bunch of soft speak that they're trying to get around it. And, and even in that one, they say they can change it at any time, which means they can go back to 1.1 if they wanted to, you know, and they tried to, to sell like, Hey, we'll put our game content out there, uh, how the mechanics and stuff work, but they're still holding on to their own personal brand names. You know, I, I just don't see the damage has already been done to them. And I think that's just going to come out in the wash at this point. Um, yeah. I think we should really look at on, why why is this happening now and that has a lot to do with not wizards of the coast per se but hasbro um is basically trimming the fat off of its company right now and they're trying to only keep ips that are the biggest money makers dungeons and dragons i think makes somewhere in the ballpark of 150 million dollars a year so considering how big it is it doesn't i i kind of agree with the ceo like yeah it, it doesn't make as much money as it as it should um but hasbro is trimming fat uh toy sales are are down and continue to go down um so they're trying to cut ips that aren't generating enough money uh and D, D does not generate like magic the gathering 
which is weird because we have a Dungeons and Dragons movie coming out, right? Yeah. So why isn't D&D making as much money? Um, and this has all been upper boards and CEOs and, again, Cal uh, trying to increase their profits. Uh, that way, you know, Dungeons and Dragons doesn't get the axe. Um, but I totally agree. They've gone too far at this point with the OGL. I don't, they've spent millions of dollars pushing this forward. Uh, it, it realistically much more than that. Um, so it's, uh, it's gonna happen. Um, I don't think anybody's going to be happy with the final product. I think this is going to be a lose, lose all around, uh, because the community has decided almost collectively, like entirely decide, okay, 5e is great because 5e brought in a bunch of new people. We all like 5e. When 5e goes, or if we all move on from D&D, um, we're all not going to move on to the same thing. Uh, but that I'm, I'm kind of in agreement. I think that the ship has sailed. It's left the port. Um, not trying to be a downer about it, but I really think that that's how it's going to go. I, I, think that, I think that's a rather somber take. Um, I hope that's not the case. <laughs> I, I mean, the, the, the re, ultimately, the reason that most people play D&D is the same reason that at the UN they speak English. It's because it's the game that most people know how to play. And right. gamers are, like everyone else in the world, um, lazy individuals. And like D&D Beyond, Mark, you mentioned – um, yeah. people are, are ditching their subscriptions and whatever. D&D Beyond was never required to play Dungeons & Dragons. It, it's just, it was just for people who wanted to make a character sheet without having to actually learn the rules. And so now people are having to go back and figure out, okay, what is the very simplistic math required to do this? And <laughs> I think what they're finding is, oh, it's not all that complicated. I don't need to pay somebody $7 a month to do this anyway. Um, I think what Brian said is the thing that I agree with the most, where this is a community game. Like the whole point of D&D is that you use your imagination to make things up. So this isn't like a bunch of people are just ripping off and writing sequels to Harry Potter. This is people writing literally original content and Wizards getting upset because the third party content is better than theirs. And, and that's what I think the big mistake they made is they sat around with corporation and they said, we're not making any money off this and other people are. And the solution they came up with was let's start trying to get the money from the people who are successful at it. Instead of asking themselves, why doesn't anyone pay money for the stuff that we create? And that's really the core problem they need to try to assess is how do they start making content that compete with third parties rather than just trying to put a harness on third parties and take 20% of what they make. Um, yeah. All, all that said, if you work for Wizards and you're listening to this, please hire me. I would love to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the, uh, I've I'll help before. you start getting paid. Yeah. Like, don't yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think Sam knows we've, tra we've trashed like various different like Disney and stuff in the past and like Star Wars and stuff. And I, I, I would also be like, but, you know, but if you want to hire me to like, if you yeah, want to sponsor us, you could do that. I'll stop saying bad stuff. This, this whore is for sale. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Oh yeah. 100%. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Anthony, do you want to share some kind of like initial thoughts on what you think of the kind of the whole situation as a whole? Yeah. So the more that I've been looking into this and the more I hear people talking about it, the more I'm 
convinced that Wizards of the Coast has little to nothing to do with anything going on with the LGLs in this situation. I don't think hardly any of this was actually Wizards of the Coast's idea. I think there was somebody else coming down their throat for money that was kind of trying to force their own ideas on. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it's definitely, it's not, you know, I mean, the, the CEO of... Uh, I can't remember her name right now, but uh, the video I was watching on the l- rules lawyer just mentioned her name, but I can't think of it right now. Um, but, like, did come out and say, like, you know, her big thing was that she wants to make more money, you know, and, you know, and, and monopolize more. And I think to Cameron's point too, in uh, Brian's, I, the ship I think unfortunately has sailed. I, I don't think you can do all of this, you know, even with trying to, you know, ask for people to fill out surveys online and ask for input. You know, you're not going to completely backtrack. You know, we're not going to get like a Sonic situation where there was so much backlash that they completely redesigned the character. Like, we're not getting a complete redo. You know, like maybe they'll backtrack on some things, but you know, I think I think the end of the goal, like we've been talking about, is was to make more money, was to somehow try to take, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, which you know it's crazy it only makes you know 150 million a year. And to somehow get more money out of it, especially with the mo- with the movie coming out, they're you know trying to create more of an actual franchise based on the board game versus just having it as a board game. And yeah, they've just completely taken everything too far and just were like, they'll accept it. I mean, like because again, it was leaked the first time. None of this, you know, we would never be having this discussion if this person didn't leak it. All of a sudden, an agreement just would have been updated, and we all would have been like, wait, what of it? And they would have been like, sorry, it's 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 permanent we've already decided it's it's in place we're done sorry and we'd have backlash now but it you know it'd be too late the decision's been made we just got lucky that someone was like this is terrible and leaked the document and so now we can try to i guess salvage and you know adapt to different things uh sam what you even obviously you've like we mentioned you, you've played D a while Six you years. actually you use D and D Beyond. I do. <laughs> I do use D and D Beyond. Yeah. So what's I'm what's hurting the freaking ass? No, I'm just kidding. Um, what what do you think about all this? I don't have many thoughts because, and this is just for me. I really don't consume a lot of third party D and D media. Like I never really cared for Critical Role or anything like that. Not that there's anything wrong with any of the third party stuff. It's right now, me and my D and like D and D party are playing like, um, what is it? Kind of like he just rewrote the player manuals to be space themed, and that's what we're doing right now. And D and D is just space themed. So like, I don't have a lot of thoughts on this. I was trying to watch that video link you sent me earlier, and like I said, all that legal stuff went one ear out the (laughs) other. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It was like I found. I tried to find like the quickest recap I could uh, in a video so, that the DM so later did. Did your DM write a new version of the mechanics themselves, or are they using? Does the does the word espergenesis mean anything to you? That's a really really common outer space third party. No, he took the player's manual, and you know how you can like search a word. Uh huh. So instead of spells, he took all the word that said spells and wrote tech. Gotcha. Yes. It's that kind of thing. <laughs> he, he did Control that all on his F. own. It, literally. 
Yeah. So can I ask you, Sam, you mentioned that you are a user of D&D Beyond. Can you describe, like, I, I've, I've only used it once. I, I was annoyed by it for reasons that aren't really important. They're personal problems. What do you use that for, for the most part? I am really bad at numbers, like, to where I was not doing good in school. I'm really bad with numbers. So a lot of math, even basic math, I'm stupid and doesn't make sense with a lot of me. So being able to just input the things I need into the character sheet and it all does that itself is really nice for me, especially when I like level up because sometimes I'm not positive what's being added to what it just doesn't compute in my head. So just being able to have all of that done and on here is super easy. That and I can have it on my phone too. So if I like forget my character sheet at home, I still have the backup on here. So I can still be able to play without my like physical character sheet in my hand. Yeah. So it's more of like a simplicity kind of thing for me for D D Beyond. Yeah. I think I think uh, Matt, you could said that earlier. That, that that's probably like a vast majority of people that were just kind of using it as a this makes it easier, so less thinky think. And people can figure out that, okay, maybe I can do some of this and uh, different things can be created and stuff. Um, so quickly, and not really side tangent, but um, so another one of their big things is like they've kind of made it clear that they really want to push the the virtual tabletop, you know, whether it's D&D Beyond more, you know, if they're actually trying to create like a roll 20 kind of system where they're, you know, they can micro transition the, the hell out of you and kind of do whatever they want with it. Uh, do you guys think, I mean, I don't know, in my opinion, I think it makes sense for them to invest in something that's a virtual tabletop. I don't think the way they're doing, they're going about it is, is the correct way, especially with making it pretty clear that they would micro transaction if you wanted like certain, you know, whether it was a one shot or a new edition or updates or things like that. I, I guess that's part of the concern is that they could literally turn off support for whatever they wanted at any time uh, with their own system. Do you guys think it makes sense for Wizards, for Dungeons and Dragons to kind of have their own virtual tabletop at this point? Or do you think it's like they've done it so long, like a certain way? Does it not really make sense to invest in something like that at this point? Well, for them, that is their goal. They want to try to make it all virtual. That is Chris Cowell's goal. He was from uh, Zynga, which did Farmville, and he was actually the brainchild behind Magic the Gathering Arena, or the big push behind it. And he he was the executive producer of that, uh, which is making you know that card game virtual or through apps and stuff. Um, so that is they spent a lot of money and that's one of the reasons they purchased D&D Beyond is actually a competitor. Chris Cow has gone on to my knowledge has gone on record as saying that he that was their big thing that he wanted to get rid of but they instead Hasbro instead purchased it and he really doesn't like that. That's not where he wants that's not the platform he wants to use. He wants to make his own. He hired a whole bunch of people to work on Unreal Engine to make all those nice little fancy things and that demo that they they shown um, and as far as microtransactions, that is kind of where they're headed too. They wanted to make everybody kind of push everybody to use the virtual tabletop versus the books. And they even said that that the books are just going to be kind of like a, uh, a secondary thing for them. And um, they're, they're invested 
a lot of money into this. That's that's where they're going. That's why they came out with this. They want to push anybody else who has a VTT off the market uh, so they control it. And that way, they, if you want a token, you have to pay for a token. If you want a spell effect, you have to pay for a spell effect. And that's their wording in their documents. They kind of go that way. Yeah. Brian, uh, in, in your experience with four decades of playing D&D, how many times has Dungeons & Dragons been able to make a good video game? <laughs> well, going way back to like Curse of the Azure Bonds, which is even on DOS 3.11 Windows, that was the best thing I've seen. And it was, you know, 8-bit, and it was very – I love the, just the way to play it. I mean, back then, I didn't have a lot of video game choices for that. So, of course, I'm going to say that was great. But as far as like D&D Online – that I, I tried that for like a month and I, I didn't do that. I come from World of Warcraft, loved World of Warcraft. Um, so yeah, they're just a Baldur's Gate was really good. Uh, Neverwinter Nights was pretty good. Um, but yeah, overall, you know, and, and that's unfortunately that's kind of almost what it's coming like from what they describe. They want to kind of make it a video game because there's going to be apparently. Like AI DMs, which is more scripted. It's not really artificial intelligence. It's more scripted where you do something and it responds back to you. But it's supposed to be a little more involved than a video game would be. So and what, what I what I was going with, but yeah, I, I totally agree with everything you're saying. But the Baldur's Gate and Neverwinter Nights were good. Um, and Planescape, those were extremely niche. Uh times and extremely niche games other than those and they've made so many there have been so many attempts to turn dungeons and dragons into a video game the problem is it takes place in your mind it all takes place in all of our minds yeah very true i don't i (laughs) good luck turning like the virtual tabletops are cool they're awesome, but not everybody even uses Roll Twenty or or apps like those to play online just for maps. And when it comes to making a video game, I don't care how much money they throw at it. I I don't think they're going to get to where they where people are going to want to play. It, at least the majority of people. Yeah, if, if you're trying, if you're, tr- I'm sorry, if you're trying to compare by your question to me was if uh, D&D as a video game compares to tabletop being with friends, there's no comparison. Tabletop rules. Being with my friends, being, you know, being there in person, it far outweighs any video game that has ever come out, in my opinion. Uh, so, I mean, if you're playing with an AI DM, let's not get it twisted. You are playing a video game. That, that is what that is. You are you have a certain number of, res- of responses you can give. I mean, the, the limitation on a video game is the number of buttons it has. And so if I'm playing a video game, if I'm playing, you know, Oblivion or whatever, my options when I'm talking to the shopkeeper are limited to the number of buttons I have on my controller. Whereas in real life, and we're playing D&D on Discord or where, where we're playing, I can say, I slip the shopkeeper a note that says there's a bomb in my backpack. There's no button for that on the Xbox, right? Yeah. So you're never going to be able to actually make it a video game. You can, or sorry, you can, you're, you're only going to be able to make it a more sophisticated video game. You're never going to make it like talking to a real person. As far as them charging people for a virtual um, table or whatever it is, I think that Brian nailed it. The, the issue for me is not them 
doing microtransactions, if they can make a better mousetrap and people want to pay for tokens or for their games or maps or whatever, that's no problem. They do own this intellectual property. It is theirs. And they have a right to be able to make money off it. Where they go over the line is instead of trying to make their mousetrap better, they try to destroy all the other mousetrap designs. And they try to tell Roll20, you guys are infringing on our IP, or they try to just go buy out every competitor. That's, I think, the wrong strategy. And I, I'm just hoping they figure that out. That This isn't... It's not about them ethically violating the community. It's about them trying to operate a business and right now doing it poorly and asking themselves, how do we do it better instead of destroying everyone who's doing it better than us? Yeah, it's yeah, it's being the bully to push everyone out when it's got a community that's been doing it as long as Dungeons and Dragons has is definitely not the way to go about it. But yeah, like you guys said, it's they have they have a right to make money off their product. It's just, you you know, doing it the right way. Um, I I think bullying, I think bullying is a great word to use for it. The reason bullies use violence is because they've run out of other tools, right? That's, that's why violence is the simplest form of getting away. If they could convince you otherwise they would, they don't know how to do that. And so, yeah, they have to be bullies about it. I agree. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's, it's different. Uh, Anthony, what, what do you kind of think about this? virtual tabletop kind of push that they're trying to advertise is like, oh, you have to do VTTs. Um, I'm trying to make everything virtual. At a certain point, they have to realize that no matter how hard they try to take control over everything and push everything online, they're not going to be able to take back all of the books that are already out there and all of the groups that have already made all of their own stuff and the best things that have ever been made for D&D were not made by Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. <laughs> they were all third party. Yeah. <laughs> they had nothing to do with those clowns. And those people are going to keep on doing their own thing, whether yeah. Wizards of the Coast does whatever they want to do to stop them. What they are going to get out of doing a virtual tabletop is, you know, the, the people that they don't have a group. They don't have access to a group or they're kind of nervous about getting around a group of D&D people. Well, now they have their own outlet that they can kind of try to do something with that might expand into something else. And, you know, a virtual tabletop would be good for a lot of people that, you know, don't get to play in personal groups, have to go online. And if we have one central place to go to, it kind of, helps streamline the whole process even if it is kind of Wizards of the Coast being shitty um, just trying to look at something that might be a bright side about it yeah no it, it's it's a good point you know like there are you know we, we've all been playing D&D, a D&D for a very long time but you know to, to Anthony's point to people that have never played if someone just told you hey if you go to this website it'll just put you into a virtual group of people that are from you know around the world or whatever uh, that are all playing D and D, and whether it's an AI DM or it's actually like a, just a virtual you know like just a, a, a GM DM that's just somewhere else in the world, and you guys just join a table and you play and like that's it, you know for introverted people and or for people that are just too nervous about trying to do a lot of it you know human interaction, this will help a lot of people. So I think Danny's point you know, silver lining of a big push to be to, to virtual tabletops in general would be the inclusion of those kind of people. But the way wizards of the coast is going about it, you know, is, is, is not the proper way you want to like to get people into your game that have never played it before. 
um, whether it's virtual or in person, you know, you you, you want to make your game seem inclusive and not like you're play it this way in our way or don't play kind of thing, which is seems to be kind of their attitude is, you know, like. Uh, like Matt, like you said, like, you know, the, the big third party people, the best thing like Anthony said too, the biggest stuff that we've made, whether it's critical role or like um, one of my personal favorites, if anyone else has uh, watched it, but the, uh, the Viva La Dirt League guys uh, that do their D and D series uh, on YouTube, uh, which I'm a huge fan of because they do like green screens and stuff like that. They released a statement like last week saying that, you know, they have no, essentially like they have no intention to sign anything. They're going to keep doing their product. And if it comes down to it, they have faith that their dungeon master can create his own system because he has so many house rules anyway, that it really wouldn't be a stretch for him just to create his own system and completely negate Dungeons and Dragons and Wizards of the Coast and just completely do their own thing and still come out with the same videos they have been. I, I'm assuming Critical Role would maybe do a similar type of thing, but... I say, Critical Role came out with a statement <laughs> also saying something about them and their own... Um, what is it called? Like, their own tabletop thing. Yeah. And, so. Yeah, and then... So that, that's the second time, Mark. So I, Sam mentioned earlier that her her DM created somewhat of a new system. It sounds like a, a word replacement, but still, I think that one of the reasons that that Wizards really, really balked when the dorks revolted on them is that they do not want to have a actual legal argument about what they do own and what they don't. Because if a judge has to rule on whether they own the dice that has 20 sides or not, they will lose that argument. With if a, if a judge has to rule on whether rolling for intimidation or a certain spell called fireball is theirs, that becomes really dicey. People have been making fantasy for a very, very long time. Um, there's guys like Brian, who I don't mean to you know paste you as the old head here, but you've been playing for 40 years. I bet there are some people out there that could demonstrate that they were playing with a spell they created called Entangle 20 years before Wizards ever did. And so it gets really complicated for them because it's so difficult for them to ever demonstrate that what they claim is their IP is their IP because Tolkien made all this stuff up. Yeah, and you can't talk about that kind of stuff without bringing up the you know the Creative Commons license and how they say they have the core D and D rules in the Creative Commons license and it shouldn't be affected by the OGL. But which rules are actually the common rules? Because there's one of the biggest rules of D and D is that there is no actual rule. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like that, that's the whole point of like that's why a lot of us play D and D is because we like to make up different things and we roll 20s or we roll ones like you know there, there's no set thing that says oh woods of the coast as you roll when you roll a one this happens or when you go into a town and you fight an orc you have to do this like there's nothing like that in place it, you you create obviously the adventure that's one of the allures of D is you create it in your head and play it out and everything's constantly changing i mean i think mostly everyone here is gm'd or dm'd at some point um, so I think we've, we've all had sessions where we've had everything, you know, Northeast and Northeast and South planned out. And then the party goes, no, we're going to go West and, you know, West is a blank slate in your mind. And then you're trying to scramble to figure out what you want to come up with. It, you know, you're not using some pre-made template of Dungeons and Dragons saying that like, here's every direction and here's what you're doing. You know, maybe if they had done that from the very beginning, I mean, maybe we'd be having a different conversation 40 years later, but the whole reason why they created it 
why they it, the way that they did it is they wanted people to use their imaginations. And it's like I think we, we all kind of touched on. It's almost like now they're trying to say that it, it's almost like they're mad that the, what people have been coming up with is like you like people are saying is better than anything they've put out on their own. So they're like, it's like a kid kind of like kicking his foot into the sand, being like, well, you know, if I can't have it, I don't want anyone else to have it either. You know, it's like it's like they're trying to like take a Dungeons and Dragon toy and run home and complain to mom that all the other kids are playing with it better than they did. And, and I think that's just a common creator problem, right? Like it, you can think about it like like Star Wars, right? George Lucas made these movies that everyone loved in this this universe that everyone thought was so cool, and he convinced himself totally that everyone loved the Jedi aspect of it. And Disney finally went and bought him out and was like, "Dude, it's not about the Jedi's, man. Like it's about space like that's what's fun we're, we got samurais and we're doing sword fights in the same way wizards seem so obsessed with this concept that D is supposed to be set in medieval europe and then you have third party creators come around and they're like no as long as you roll with the same character sheet you can be a dog who lives in tokyo and play with other dogs that live in tokyo and you're still playing dungeons and dragons like it, it doesn't you don't have to have a dungeon or a dragon for that to be the game. Yeah. And they don't seem to get that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which also sounds like a pretty cool idea. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's like I said, it, it, it's a weird, I don't know. It's a weird time to be a Dungeons and Dragons player right now. Mm. Uh, Mark, as, as a guy that played before playing online was an option, what was the transition like to playing online or have you, sorry, not Mark, Brian. Um, what was that transition like to playing online or do you refuse to play online or like, what is your experience? (laughs) I actually have a group that I go with on a roll 20. So I'm not opposed to being online. And I think Cameron was saying that it is a company and they're just trying to make, make money and monetize D and D, which is understandable. That's what they need to do. I think a lot of us agree that they're just going about it the wrong way. People have said that here today. Um, I mean, they could have approached it to where, Hey, we're going to set this up. And if you want to put your third party content on it, they could have had an upcharge for the virtual tabletop, leaving the books and stuff alone at, just as it is and say, all right, you want it on the virtual tabletop, you know, you, you can put your content in, you get some money, we get some money from it and make it a big driving force to bring more people together instead of this divide that they kind of have already, um, you know, and if it would have been a good thing, I would have, you know, got on board with playing it or using it as a, as a, an additional thing uh, for my games, like D and D Beyond is. A lot of people use D D and D Beyond, like Sam does, to keep track of her character because it's a lot easier there. And I appreciate that. You know, if somebody in my campaign uh, that is in person did that, I would have no problem with that at all, uh, as long as you know I knew everything was on the up and up. And if that's the way they want to go, great for them. I just wish they wouldn't have created this divide trying to force other people out and try to hurt other third party creators and just bring more people together is what the approach they should have done. And they could have left 1.0 a alone and just said, all right, you want a badge because they came out with this badge and 1.2 is badge system. And they could have added that badge system that this is, you know, authentic for us and we'll put it with our virtual tabletop. And I think that would have much been a much, much better approach. Because that's, think inclusive. Got... that's what we need in the community. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, as much as it's a game to bring everyone in, it, it is a harder thing to just pick up and be like, I'm just going to start playing. Because there is that aspect of playing with people you've never talked to or seen or interacted with in person before, whether you're playing in person or virtually. I, I know I've done both. When I started playing D&D with 2.5, uh, you know, it was in person in my friend's basement doing the classic thing of drinking two liters of Mountain Dew and eating pizza and, you know, being yelled at by his mom at you know, 11 o'clock at night, you know, like th- that's how I started into, you know, where I am now, where I moved to where, uh, until I met like Brian and some other people, I didn't have enough, like enough people to play. And I was too busy being a single father to go out. I couldn't go to a, a group, uh, at a local shop. Not that I was opposed to it, but I just, I, it wasn't an option for me. I, I could not afford a sitter. It wasn't a thing. I couldn't go to a shop every two weeks and sit down and play. It wasn't an option for me. So me going to online was my only option if I wanted to keep playing D and D. So I've been playing online exclusively up until, you know, a couple months ago, uh, for five, you know, six plus years, I had been exclusively playing online using like roll 20, uh, things with like discord, you know, some theater, the mind obviously, but, uh, and like just different, different online systems. I, uh, the forge, I, I used forge for a little while. If anyone knows, uh, has ever forge before, um, it's like more of like a 3d modeling, uh, kind of one, uh, like you actually can have like, it's still like tokens. It's not like, um, not hero forge. I'm trying to think of something else that somebody else uses. Uh, that's like, that yeah, Talespire. That's what I was thinking of. Talespire, uh, which is like tier three. Yeah. I do. I really do. <laughs> Um, so you, you mentioned that you couldn't make it out to a, a, a game store to go play. And that's a totally valid reason to use online, but I think anyone will know you see him Mark, like a pretty confident person, Sam, you as well. I, if it's not immediately obvious, consider myself a pretty confident person walking into a game store that you're not familiar with, especially if you don't totally know how to play or where you're allowed to sit or how you get involved in the game. It's like walking onto a prison yard the first time. It's like one of the most humbling experiences and it's difficult. And so I, I totally sympathize with people. My wife, I've been trying to play, get to play forever. And she won't do it simply because she's like, I don't want to walk into a store and go sit next to a bunch of people. I don't know. I don't know the rules. They're going to yell at me. And so, yeah, having a, a place to play online where someone has a ripcord where they can always just hit the tiny red X on the top of the screen and they don't have to deal with any of the backlash. I think that's positive. That That's a nice way to get people to try out the game without having to go through this kind of horrific experience yeah. <laughs> of like getting picked for teams on the, on the playground or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no one wants to be the guy new to D and D and then TPK is your party. <clears throat> it almost seems like what they're trying to do. It almost represents, it's kind of like an MMORPG where they can go worldwide. You can get together with people and they might have a system if it worked out, um, to where you could have like guilds and groups of people you can always contact and get together and play virtually. And I think that would have been a good thing. And I really wish it just would have been, like I said before, more inclusive and had a better start. Um, maybe it might end up that way. Let's be positive about it. Let's try to be anyway. Yeah. Um, but right now, a lot of people just have a lot of distrust with the whole thing and they're not going to be on board. And I know like many of them are already coming up with their, uh, a new system for everybody to go to like that open RPG that's out there that I think Paizo started and project black flag by Cobalt press that there's, is going now or yeah. trying to get that going. And I have a lot of, obviously a lot of stuff from D and D I'll always play D and D. I have the five E books. I don't need to buy anything more from uh, wizards of the coast to play the game. I got enough. 
and I can go from there. I can make up my own new stuff if I need to, like we've talked about. And it's, it really is just a shame of what, how this all played out. And, yeah. Um, oh, I, I do want to say one more thing, if I could. A lot of people are trying to uh, boycott the movie. I really, I'm against that. 100%. I don't, agree. I'm not comfortable getting, giving them money, but I really love fantasy movies. And if there's, if you, if the movie bombs, you're never going to see another D and D movie ever again. And oh yeah. Cause it's been, how, so, how long has it been since that first one came out? A long time. And it, it well, they did it like in 2002, right? Or something. Or yeah. Like early on 2000. Yeah. It, it's yeah. It, it's been oh, at right. least like 20 years. Yes. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. It looks like it's going to be good. You know, currently, I hope it's a good story. I hope they present it well, and I want to watch it, and I, I want to see more of that. So, hopefully, that's not going to get washed away in all of this, and that that would be a real shame to me. Is is no more D and D movies? Two thousand. <clears throat> Japanese. Two thousand. Two thousand. Two thousand five. Two thousand twelve. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I again, that's that's kind of my viewpoint. I wanted to touch base on that as well. With with the new movie come out, the new Dungeons and Dragons movie, there is now because of all this, like petitions and people trying to, you know, band together, be like. We can't give them money in any capacity, you know, in any way, shape, or form, regardless of the platform. And that means the movie, too. So there's this large, like, people are, like, trying to boycott what they want to do with the movie. I'm with Brian in the sense that I don't agree with that because I like movies like that. And I want to see more studios take a chance on it. Not necessarily it being a Dungeons & Dragons movie, but movies like that in general. Other studios, it's not like other studios, like they look at how much money other movies, you know, make, you know, like DC keeps making superhero movies, even though they're bombing at it because Marvel makes so much money with it. You know, like people pay attention to what other studios are doing and if it's successful or not. And if this movie bombs because people are refusing to give Wizards of the Coast money, then any other potential projects we could have had in the future, non Dungeons and Dragons related, but fantasy world related might never get made because now there's this concept that this is too D and D like, and it's going to bomb whether or not it's because it was the coast aside. So um, I, I definitely think that when it comes to a boycott, okay, people are allowed to spend their money on whatever they want. Obviously I'm not going to tell anybody what to do, but to me, a boycott is how you suggest to a company that they've done something so morally reprehensible that you cannot in good conscience, give them money. What Wizards did is they asked third-party content creators to give them a couple dollars for something they're making. That, to me, does not rise to a level of evil that that even hits other companies that we all support on a daily basis. If you're gonna if you're gonna refuse to go to the D and D movie, you also better refuse to buy gasoline at Exxon Mobil. Like the, the, this, is kind of a crazy response to me. However, what you should do is demand that they make a better thing. So if you are quote unquote boycotting D and D beyond. And then you realize, Oh, I can do this without them. That encourages wizards or whoever can compete with them to create a better product. And that's a good thing. So if you hear from your buddies, the movie sucks by all means, don't go to the movie. But if you think that by not going to the movie, you have rid of the world from some transcendent evil, you're, you're kind of <laughs> lying. So. Yeah. It's the same thing of like, we all order from Amazon. We go shop at Walmart, you know, people buy Nikes, you know, we're not, we, we're, we're still doing the thing. So yeah, you know, people eat at Chick-fil-A, you know, I mean like, you know, Cameron eats, Cameron eats with Chick-fil-A. Okay. Cameron eats with Chick-fil-A, you know, like, 
and, and like and, th- and this is just me speaking as 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 a father who wants his son to get into different things and you know he watches anime with me and does things i'd want to take him to a dungeons and dragons movie and movies like that in the future so i you know like for me i want to encourage that kind of growth in the community in general just because i want to encourage my part in the next generation to keep up with what you know i've been doing and stuff and so i think what brian said is kind of what he, and it hit the head in the nail earlier with saying that we all have the materials we need whether it's to keep using their materials or to come up with our own system we all have enough at this point and have played long enough to where we don't really need you know big daddy D to tell us what thing we should use or not use or what new thing is coming out or whatever like there's enough coming out there with third-party creators and out there that we can easily survive our own if we need to, uh, which brings me to the topic I wanted to kind of wrap up with was, you know, devil's advocate. Let's say they completely backtrack on all of this. They they completely backtrack. I, I, we know they're you know we're all I think most of us are in agreement they're not going through and pursue, but pretend for a second that we live in fantasy land of rain, you know, sunshine and rainbows and sparkles and uh, Captain Planet saving the universe, uh, you know, with the power of heart, you know, just good old, good old power, you know, of, friendship. Family, yeah, power <clears throat> of friendship, good old family values. Mm. Uh, and that they backtrack on either all of this or a lot of this. Is there in your minds any sort of, can they recover from this? I'm talking about financially. The comp Hasbro obviously makes enough money this will not hurt their bottom line in the at the end of the day. But in terms of D&D as a concept and as a community, like with Wizards of the Coast, it, you know, even if they backtrack, is there a recovery from this? Or has the, th- you know, like, but it, you know, is there? It, it, can they come back? Or is it, regardless, even if they backtrack with all the third-party creators now pushing their content out you know maybe a lot of these people like cobalt press and you know maybe like they had they had been working on these but we're like well there's no point in us doing it yet because we have this agreement there's no you know we're we're good we're happy the way it is even if they backtrack i'm guessing at this point a lot of those third parties are just going to push forward with their products anyway does does do they recover from this they could i absolutely think wizards of the coast could recover from this um I think there are different avenues. I've seen some people um, talk about uh, if Jeremy Crawford um, took over uh, for uh, I forgot her name as well, but his president. I think Cynthia I mean, Williams. I don't see Cynthia yeah. Williams. I don't see that's going to happen because he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't have the. Uh, I don't. I don't want to say acumen to take over an entire organization like that, but like if they gave him enough power to be like, hey, do what you're going to do with this. That's fine. Uh, I don't think monetarily they're going to recover because they've already spent so much on lawyers to recover. For, even if they backtracked, they've still spent so much money and Hasbro is looking to trim fat. So, like, yeah. I don't know monetarily they, they could. Community-wise, yeah. Yeah, they totally could. But yeah, I, I think I think not only can. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brian. Oh, I was just gonna say I, I do. I agree that they, I think it'll come back, even if let's say it it goes down for a couple of years and they sell that IP and somebody else picks it up, it'll rise from the ashes. I mean, TSR went bankrupt, and that's where Wizard of the Coast picked it up, you know, and it grew from there. But with the 1.0a open gaming license, they helped really push it forward. So I don't think D and D's done. I, I really yeah. don't. 
let's remember that a uh, fourth edition was a thing. <laughs> we, we lived through fourth edition. We can survive this. We did live through fourth edition. I, I think that not only can it recover, I think it has. I, I, I'm a little surprised, Mark, to hear you say that, you know, we'd need to live in a fantasy world where they backtrack. I feel like they kind of did, right? They, they, quote unquote corrected or they're like oh no what we meant is we're just trying to prevent people from playing playing hateful games which i'm interested in if anyone else has an opinion on this that is a problem that i have never seen exist i've never sat at a table where someone's like okay so you're all nazis and it's like what not (laughs) yeah yeah. that happens in the community yeah so they're they're trying to backtrack and say oh no what we meant to do is solve this imaginary problem and to me that means that they've backed off what they originally claimed they were going to do i also think that dorks hand up i'm one of them get over this stuff so quickly like we are so outraged oh yeah and i think that one of the reasons people play DD is to give them the opportunity to feel powerful or like their actions can change the world because they don't always have that capacity in their real lives the big problem wizards has right now is that they showed the dorks that they can win and that's going to be a problem for them moving forward because anytime they do anything that someone doesn't like, everyone's just going to say, okay, cancel your D&D Beyond subscriptions for the next two months until they do exactly what we say. But as long as they don't rock the boat too much for like three or four months, I don't know. Marvel's going to recast Spider-Man as an Asian woman and everyone will lose their mind (laughs) and we'll all forget about what happened. That's just how I see these trends going. Yeah. No, yeah, I know. It's a good point. It's 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 literally how things tend to go in the sea of nerd fandoms is we're we're outraged. We we realize that we're still going to do the thing anyway to to a certain extent and you know, I think like like Matt like you said, as long as they don't rock the boat after that, we're like, all right, just, you know, we'll be sated, you know, satisfied for now as long as you don't go too crazy with stuff and we'll all move on and be happy and play dogs in Tokyo and oh man uh, Matt, can I be we have a, we have a campaign a now oh yeah yeah we really do yeah. <laughs> that's all we need but Just matter of fact to be completely honest I was very very scared there for a second on where you were going with the Asian woman Spider-Man. I was, I saw our, our podcast die before my eyes so quickly. Oh, no, I, and I, I think I would go see that movie too. I have no problem with it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I would. Well, yeah, I mean, there, there's, that. there's like, there's Spider-Man. That's a pig. I mean, there's Peter Porker. Yeah. Peter Porker. Uh, I was, right, I was nervous thing. for a hot sack. Uh, <laughs> All these things should exist. And I think that's the core of kind of my message overall here. More content is better content. Making stuff is in and of itself valuable. It it, it activates a different part of your brain than you do when you're putting in data on a spreadsheet or when you're cooking or whatever it is. And what D&D does is it encourages its players to make their own stuff. The problem is that doesn't make anyone else money. And maybe that just makes it a bad investment, but it doesn't make the people who play the game bad customers. Yeah, and I think that's what they're being forced to realize with with all of this is that you know people just want to play D and D at the end of the day. That's that's that at the, you know at the core of it, people just want to play D and D. They they want to play their product and the thing that they've enjoyed for a long time. People like Sam, you know, want to be able to use products like D and D Beyond to just make playing 
whether it's virtually or like Ryan was saying, if you're playing in person, but you don't like keeping track of everything, you just want to have like a laptop and and D&D Beyond Up to help you keep track of things. Then, you know, that at the end of the day, that's just kind of what people want to do. And we're all going to keep playing it. And so we'll, we'll see what happens um, if they release a new OGL. I know like 1.2 is the current one. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I know the big thing with 1.2 was that survey that they wanted people to fill out on the on their website with feedback and stuff like that. So we'll see what happens. And I'm I'm guessing they inevitably release OGL 1.3. Uh, I'm guessing uh, with feedback from people that have responded. So we'll see what happens. And they release that. Um, when this all dies down, we'll do a, we'll do a, a part two of this and talk about three months down the route. How none of us remember why we were mad in the first place and uh, have to replay the episode to be like, Oh, that's right. That's why we were all mad at. Oh, that's right. Um, My attention. Yeah. Span, I'll forget why I'm mad. Yeah. You'll message me next week and be like, wait, what did we talk about last week? Oh, that's right. D and D. Who are you? I don't, I don't know. Everything blurs together at this point. Um, we'll we'll do a quick final thoughts. If anyone's got any last minute thoughts they want to share on whether whether it's whether the coast or, or OGL or whether it's just D and D in general, we always try to encourage people. We've done a few different episodes about D and D on this podcast in the past, and we always try to encourage uh, every guest that comes on to try to in a in a short way uh, convince people out there to give D and D a shot. Um, so we'll we'll go uh, Anthony first if you just want to kind of share final words and any any message for people out there to get into D and D. Yeah. Uh, as far as final words go, I would say that uh, fans hold a lot of power in regards to how a company does. If we push too hard against wizards of the coast and shut them out of too many things, then it's all going to be third party. We won't have wizards of the coast anymore. Fans can shut shit down hard if they want to. Uh, so we need to be a little bit careful and be grateful when they do something right. Like uh, like Sonic that we talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, uh, when it comes to getting people into D and D, if you have a group of friends that like in jokes, you have a D and D group. <laughs> That's really all it takes. Um, group of friends that can have fun together. You you don't need too much more than that. Uh, the rules are so simple, and if a rule is too complicated, nobody's going to blame you for saying that. Fuck that. I ain't doing it. Yeah, true. Uh, Cameron, I'm going to give you double duty. Um, same same message, but then also, can you uh, at the end after you share your message, recap uh, where people can find a uh, way to way to DM minute uh, and everything. Sure. Okay. Uh, my final thoughts were would be um, check out Pathfinder Second Edition. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Go to Pathfinder. Um, uh, no, uh, this the community will live through this. Um, uh, it might not, you know, a year from now, it might the community might look different, but it will one hundred percent. The same people will be there. Like, it's still going to be us. It's still going to be you and your friends, no matter what happens or Wizards does, or, you know, with whatever. Uh, it's still going to be the same people playing the game. Uh, and, you know, definitely give out – if we're if we're going to talk bad about WotC, uh, we should at least shout out the people who are doing good, like Jeremy Crawford, um, Dan and Ray. Well, Ray's no longer with uh, – wizards of the coast but you know those those people did a lot of good for the community and they're the reason it's big right now um and it's so popular so 
Um, follow the good people too. Yeah, good point. Good point. Oh, in the podcast we do. Yeah. Uh, yeah you guys elected him just remember that before we started i gave you all a fair shot at whoever wanted to do this and you all said cameron although i think he actually lost that election two to one and then i refused i I like that that happening yeah uh so as as far as uh our podcast goes we are doing a different take on uh standard DD podcast we roll uh for dm uh every session just to figure out who's going to play and the dm has to roll the setting and the monster uh and it creates a unique experience every time we play and the players have to have randomly generated characters so it creates a lot of fun chaos um and it it's really nifty how we were able to put that together. Uh, you should definitely check us out. We're on Spotify and uh, we're on, I think all of them. I think we're on all the podcast platforms <laughs> at this point. Justin yeah. did a really good job putting us all out there. Uh, so, but yeah, that that's all I got on us. All right. Uh, Brian, any same same thing? Final thoughts and any any message you'd want to portray to people out there, maybe thinking about D and D. Well, first, I think Wizards of the Coast really underestimated the in person group strength. Like how many people actually do the in person versus want to go just straight tabletop or virtual tabletop, I should say. And uh, and I think they're seeing that now, and hopefully that'll have the influence, you know, and and things will get better, and they'll make something where the third party content creators get back on board and everything will be good. Uh, instead of just, you know, years down the line, maybe a few months, like you're saying, everybody forget and hopefully everything will be good. Um, if you're learn want to learn how to play D and D it's, it is hard to kind of find somebody to get into a group. We have all new people. Like I just started a new group and four of them, uh, all girls were all new to the game. And so it was all welcoming to them because it was all f- new people with them and uh it's hard to do but you just got to try to find it try to find people if you're a dm go out there and just talk to people about it like mark knows the bartender i got and she's playing now <laughs> Never, yeah. she's not even really a nerd but i got her to play D. It yeah it's kind of a nice thing um as a dm you just have to kind of help them out maybe do like a do a one-shot session with just them or one of their friends that they can learn how to play it and bring them on board it's kind of a softer way because like like matt was saying you go into a game store and you're just like i really don't want to you know you don't know where you are at with that and joining a game with a whole bunch of experienced people you don't want to look like a fool and not not what you're doing so it's a slippery slope trying to get new people in you just have it's a metered thing so yeah no, I agree with that. Uh, Matt, same thing. Um, <clears throat> yeah, well, Brian did such a good job there. I don't really know what else to say. Um, if if you are thinking about playing Dungeons & Dragons, it is the most fun you can have with your pants on. And <laughs> every person that I know in the community is absolutely obsessed with trying to convince and teach people how to play the game too. Um, so if you are interested in playing and you know somebody that knows how to play 
please just ask them if they are a jerk about it ask a second person if that happens and they're a jerk too man that's incredibly bad luck you can email me at gm <laughs> at gmail.com and i will help you find a table um so yeah please play it's a fun game yeah yeah it is uh sam do you have any final thoughts before i i do my own wrap up and we we shuttle on on uh everyone play the new avatar rpg there you go run on power by the apocalypse (laughs) my ship i'm so excited yeah i know i know i remember you sent me the pictures when that finally when you finally got all that stuff um (laughs) Uh, but yeah, no, I agree with that, and I pretty much agree with what everyone said. I you think D and D is fun, you know the, and getting new people into it is always is always fun too. And you see, like Brian said, and getting seeing people's reaction when they've never really played D and D before. Uh, the when we did run those one shots and I streamed them on Twitch, I had a few people that messaged me after and said that they were now going to try to get their own D and D group because watching the one shot inspired them to give it a shot and to try to find some friends and put together some sort of like at least try like attempt a one shot uh to see if they could get into D D or not and that was pretty cool to see um we do plan on doing future stuff like that on the phantom effect uh we just gotta plan a lot of stuff out we've talked can i get, can I get a shameless personal plug in at the end yeah of course yeah you want to you, uh, you want to do it now sure yeah um I write games under GM Puppy Pound, me and my buddy from high school. Um, you can find everything that we make as third-party um, content creators on Drive-Through RPG. Uh, the vast majority of what we make is pay what you want. So if you don't have the funds to um, to support, we have no problem with that as long as you enjoy it um, and you guys let us know what you thought about it. So uh, check it out if you can. Thanks. Yeah, just uh, if you uh, send me those links on uh, Discord. Sure. Uh, so I can include them in the uh, episode descriptions. Uh, so like we talked about, give D&D a shot, whether it's, you know, finding a group online or whatever it is, you know, f- find your way to, to give it a shot and give it a play. We've mentioned it on the show before, but I, I've been playing for such a long time and I've had many memories, you know, from thunder waving my buddy into a wall at level one and killing his character that he spent uh, weeks working on. Uh, cause you know, in, in my head, I didn't think I'd roll two eights, but you know, <laughs> oops. To um, uh, accidentally TPKing your entire party second session in. Yeah. Uh, you to know, you know having to having your friend uh stab a guard in the middle of a town that they were supposed to spend the majority of the campaign in, and then you have to completely scramble to find a new uh a city for them to live in and not get arrested and killed on site. You know, classic adventures. Silly goofy uh, things. Yeah. Uh, but the things like that just make D&D a lot of fun. And, you know, if everyone, if you made it this far, you know that what we do here in the Phantom Effect is try to encourage uh, ex- explorations of all different fandoms because you never know which experience it's going to lead you to and what new friends you might find and new memories uh, that different things will explore you to. So do make sure you check out uh, all the stuff that GM Popcon mentioned on his drive through RPG. Uh, make sure you check out the Way to DM Minute podcast, not only because you might find me on there in the near future, but because Ugh. I know everyone on it and it's a fun time and it's just a cool idea in general. And it's just another sweet, awesome podcast that you, that you can listen to on your drive to work or wherever it might be. Um, so I appreciate you all taking time to come on, everyone from Matt, Anthony, and Cameron. Uh, like I said, I'll probably be talking to you guys soon. Uh, I was talking to Justin earlier about some stuff. Uh, Brian, I appreciate you taking the time to come on as a, as a first-time uh, guest. 
Thank you for having me. And, uh, I, you know, I'd say, you know, something to, you know, like tell you to fuck off or something, but I'm going to see you on Friday. So I'll tell you to fuck off then. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, but in general guys, it, it was a fun time. I knew, I knew it'd be like, it's like a kind of a, a good topic just to get some good discussion on and, you know, it kind of just explore D and D a little bit. I, I love D and D I've been playing for such a long time, uh, that I'm going to keep playing it. It's just a great time. Um, so if you made it this far, don't forget that you should follow the Phantom Effect on all major podcasting platforms and YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and all that fun stuff and Instagram. And make sure you catch out all of our fun interviews. Go back. We got some great uh, directors you've interviewed, voice actors, movie movie directors, movie actors, you know, a lot, a lot of great people. Uh, if you want to know what the Red Room reference was, then you need to go back and listen to the episode with Jonathan Stoddard to, to figure out why 40 minutes of that interview took place in a really creepy red room. That's all I'm going to say, because it was yeah. super creepy. Um, but from myself and uh, co-payment here, appreciate you guys. I, I'm not going to forget. Uh, appreciate you guys helping the podcast grow as much as it has. Uh, we've been doing this almost two and a half years, and we're a- approaching 15,000 downloads, which is pretty crazy. I, don't, I think we've hit every country and city major in the world at this point, uh, which is pretty awesome. And we're going to keep growing. We've got some great stuff in the works. As we said at the beginning of the year, we are going to be transitioning to a major focus on the independent side of things. We want to showcase the independent creators throughout the world, whether that be comic book artists, creators, uh, such as uh, GM Puppy Pound here, Matt, and uh, his work with Dungeons & Dragons. Um, we really want to showcase the independent side of things. So we're going to be transitioning to a uh, focus on that so we can help out as many independent creators as we can. So stay tuned for that fun journey that we're looking forward to. And make sure you stay tuned for all of our episodes every Friday. You can also catch me on the Dad's Anime Stash every Friday as well. And you can catch Sam at Sam the Man Cosplay on Instagram. And if you're going to be in Milwaukee next weekend at Anime Milwaukee, both me and Sam will be there. So stop us by, flag us down, and we'll take pictures. And I'll be in a new cosplay. Party! Party. Yes. Well, I mean, we'll be, we'll be drunk, but that'll be, that's later. Later. Oh, we can't talk about that right now. Mm. Anyways, uh, we'll see you guys <laughs> next time, bright and early, every Friday morning. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next edition of the Phantom Effect Podcast. Bye! There it is. Well, not bad for one playthrough. You have multiple achievements left to unlock. Please follow the Fandom Effect podcast on all available platforms and unlock the next level. If that doesn't work, just turn it on and off.